Okay, I am on with uh, John De La Rosa, IFBB Pro, and John was nice enough to come on my show and have a chat with me, and we're, we're going to discuss some of his past endeavors and his current success and see kind of how he put it all together. So I want to ask you first, John, because those who don't know you, there aren't very many people who don't know you, but for those that don't know you, how long have you been a pro? Uh, since 2011, so I guess eight years now. How did you turn pro? I won the heavyweight class at the USA's, at the USA's in Las Vegas. All right, so I want to get away from the X's and O's of bodybuilding, and I want to ask you a question. So, you know that meme that goes around that shows success, and some people think it's a straight line, and, yes. so, and then the reality is that it's a squiggly line? Yeah, yeah. When I think of your career, I think of that meme. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, I've, I've been, you know, we've been friends for a while, and I've been watching you for, you know, I watch your career. I'm a fan of the sport like everybody else. Yeah. And um, you've had some ups and downs. So absolutely. why don't you give me a rundown of the start of your career and how things went? Well, um, so the very start of my career, I was competing on the natural circuit. Um, and really quickly, I was kicking butt on that circuit and doing, having a lot of success really early on. Me and Sean Clarita were on that circuit kicking butt together. Um, and then I, I forget who it was, but somebody got in my hand. They were like, you know, you, you really should try competing in the NPC. And you're doing really well here, but you need more competition. So I said, you know what, I'll do it. And, you know, you start to hear chirpings of what happens in the NPC and you're never going to be able to compete with those guys. You're natural, blah, blah, blah. So I said, you know what? Fine. I'm, I'm up for the challenge. So I went up completely natural and, and went up against guys that were, you know, in the sport a while. And I did yeah. very well. I did a place in the third. Um, and I said, okay, maybe there is something here. Now, uh, to backtrack a bit, my father had been a bodybuilding fan all his life and competed. Um, so bodybuilding was something that I grew up around. Yeah. There wasn't really much um, other sports being watched in my house aside from bodybuilding. So uh, I kind of grew up wanting to be a bodybuilder. This is my dream, you know. And I said, okay, well, I did well here. You know, I, I went, I went up against some pretty tough competition. And they said, well, next time I go out, if I if I do well again, then I'll start to really put some thought into this bodybuilding thing as a career. Um, I went out next time and I won. I won the overall. Um, okay. Completely natural. And completely that's when nat complete, wait, completely natural? Completely natural, yeah. And what show is this at? Uh, the Mets. Wow. Right okay. Yeah. Uh, there's pictures of me. I was, I was small, but I was shredded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I decided, okay, well, there is something here, something to this. Uh, maybe I, I will be good enough. Um, so that's when my bodybuilding career took off. Then I became, um, I guess, the sensation in the New York area. Myself, along with Juan Morel and Akeem, we were all coming up together. And um, the competitive scene in New York was really, really tough. Yeah. So I, I was kind of on the front lines of that the whole time um, until um, I had two shots at Turning Pro. I went my first year to Nationals and I got stomped, man. I didn't even place in the top 15. Yeah. I was heartbroken. I was crushed. 
and I made a promise to myself that I would never place outside of the top five again as an amateur. Yeah. The right next year, I went back to the USA's. I placed um, second behind Vladimir, I forget his name. Really nice guy, Russian guy. He trains with, um, uh, what's her name? The, uh, she was Miss, Miss Olympia in fitness for forever. I'm not sure. She does the, the, the pole dancing now. I'm not sure who that is. She was a figure Olympia? No, no. She was fitness. fitness. Oh, fitness Olympia. She's, a, she's amazing. How am I forgetting her name right now? I'm not uh, sure. Who that is. Anyways. So anyway. He was, her tra- he was her training partner, and um, he, he ended up you know, looking amazing at the show, beat me. And then I came back the following year, and I, and I won the heavyweight class. Um, so that was like the pinnacle of my career at that point yeah i turned pro and um i did the the new york pro for my first show as a pro and i placed fifth seemingly it seemed like okay well things are still moving in the right direction (laughs) and um i was i was happy with my showing so while there sorry let me stop you so you place you turn pro Mm -hmm. you place top five at your first pro show yeah how are things going Outside of bodybuilding at this point, have you, do you have a contract? Have you have a sponsor? Like, yeah, so I had been with um, MHP at that point for a long time. Okay, so I think, I think people want to know, I think a lot of people know, maybe know your competitive history. I think people want to know, how did you get success? Like placing top five at the New York in your first show is pretty amazing. Like that's, that's a big deal. People don't, I don't think people realize that New York is a really big show. It's always been a big show. To place top five in your first show is crazy. Now, yeah. how – I want to know what happened outside of your career at that point. You're riding high. You're, I got my pro card. I got a sponsor. Our friends yeah. and family, like, do you feel – like, how do you feel as a person walking around, walking in the gym, doing life, – Life honestly could not have been better. Um, uh, one of the biggest things in my life at that point was that first New York pro that I did, um, I had – proposed to my now ex-wife unfortunately but um so life had just seemingly been amazing i was riding high everything was going in the right direction i had a business outside of bodybuilding we owned a store together um that was doing well uh, we had bought a home together things were just going great so how is life that so how is that for these guys coming up like how do they a lot of these guys have trouble like multitasking so yeah. How do these, how do these guys, how did you manage to turn pro and have a business? And what was your business? Like what, and was it thriving? Were you making a living at it? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the store was doing well. I was also training people, I think. So I think the problem is with a lot of the amateurs coming through the ranks today, unfortunately, is that um, social media gives way to the idea of, I can make so much money if I'm this Instagram star. Yeah. And look, there's a dime a dozen. You know, yeah. you're a dime a dozen. You can do all the videos you want. At the end of the day, I mean, there's a little bit of luck that comes to it. And I always knew that I'm not going to let luck control my destiny. Right? If I needed to grind out and work yeah. and make my money and secure a living, uh, a comfortable living for myself, I was going to do it. Okay, but how were... See, this is the problem. A lot of people, and I, I know a lot of people listen to this aren't just bodybuilders, so they have these yeah. other thoughts. So how, what made you want to take the jump to open a store? Because that's a scary endeavor. Like, 
Yeah. You know, you got to open a supplement store, you got to pay the lease, you got to, you know, there's yeah. a lot of bills yeah. and there's not a ton of money, money in bodybuilding. So you, it's not like no. you had a big safety net. You really took a big jump yeah. to start yeah. your own business. And what gave you the, like, what gave you the drive to be like, you know what, I'm going to do these two major things at the same time. Like, so, you know, obviously opening a, a supplement store is in line with what I was doing as a bodybuilder. Yeah. So I knew that I had to, well, I knew what my passion was and I knew that I love helping people. Uh, I'm a very like open, loving, giving person. So I knew I wanted to be somewhat in a business that I can interact with people and help yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and then it just seemed like, you know what, opening a supplement store where I could help change people's lives just seemed like an awesome idea, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anything about the business. I didn't know anything about, you know, uh, inventory and stocking stuff. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. But I knew that if I believed in myself enough that I could do it. And, and, and look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do in life. You're not going to be great at everything you do. But if you yeah. put in the hours, you're going to be pretty damn good at whatever it is you choose to do. So I knew that it was only a matter of time before I become a good businessman. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. I took a huge jump. We emptied our savings. We went at it a hundred percent, opened the store. And for the first year we didn't do great. We had like 270, $278,000 in sales, which was awesome. Yeah. But we didn't make money. Yeah. Yeah. Because our margins were too low. That's right. So yeah. I started to look over our numbers and we, we adjusted our margins and you know, you just, you just learn and you grow. And, and at the same time, like I said, I was helping change people's lives. I was helping people get healthy and get motivated. And it was right in line with what I was doing in bodybuilding, which allowed yeah. me to make my own schedule. I could come in, you know, coming to the, now I was working 10 hours a day at my yeah. store. Yeah. But I also had an office in the back where I can go take a 45 minute nap when I needed. I had my refrigerator, yeah. I had my stove, I had a microwave, I had everything set up. So that way it was still conducive to what I was trying to do outside of my business. And that's what I tell people coming up that say, well, how do you work and become a pro? Like, what did you do to, to, to work while you were trying to become pro before you got your contract? Okay. And I always tell, I always tell people find a job that fits with bodybuilding, like where right. you can stop and eat if you have to, where you can do all these things. But the bigger question for me is this, I've always had a philosophy that I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, if you chase two rabbits, you lose both. Yeah. Absolutely. So my thought process in that is if you start, you had a business and you're a pro bodybuilder. Those are two rabbits. Like that's, those are yeah. two big, big yeah. things to take on. So yeah. my question is, did you notice a correlation when, if your supplement business, if your supplement store business was going down, your bodybuilding career was better, vice yeah. versa. If your bodybuilding career was suffering, was your store doing better? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I want to backtrack a little bit before I even had my store, I was an elevator mechanic while I was trying to turn pro. So, um, you're an elevator, wait, you're an elevator mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I never, yeah. I've never yeah, known so anybody I'm, that <laughs> I'm a local three, uh, union guy. Okay. Um, I, I worked in elevators. So there's a big series that MHP had done on me, uh, as leading into the USA is that, you know, they followed me during the, during the work day. There was a, you know, it was during the summer, obviously USA is in July. Yeah. And um, there was a huge heat wave in New York. The shafts in the, you know, in the buildings were like 130, 140 degrees. I'm sweating, dripping sweat, and yeah. working on these elevators and stuff. So it was a pretty intense job. 
but I knew that like, again, my drive, my focus, my passion was bodybuilding. And once I was able to attain that, then I can start making moves that were going to be better for me. And that's when the score came. Yeah. But back to your point, the, the deeper I got into my bodybuilding career, the more I realized that when I was not in contest prep, yeah, my business would do well. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in contest prep, my business would not do well. Um, and, and it was a double edged sword, you know, opening a store with some kind of level of success in the bodybuilding world was great because people would come to my store to come hang out and see me and talk and buy products from John De La Rosa, right? Exactly. Yeah. The problem was when I was prepping, sometimes you don't want to deal with people. So I would spend a little more, <laughs> some, you would spend a little more time in the office than you would out front. Yeah. And then it, it loses that like, well, we're going to John De La Rosa's store. That's right. Now it becomes, well, we're just going to Nutrition Locker, which is just like every other store. That's right. That's right. And this, I think this is a problem a lot of business owners uh, run into. They open a store, like a supplement store, or they open a restaurant or a gym or something like this. And I think there's a false, uh, there's a false sense of security with people that open a business and think that the business can run without them. Like they'll work really hard for two years and then I'm like, oh, the business will run itself. And maybe you're right. But I think when it comes to businesses like ours, you're right. People were going there to see John. People felt like they were connected to John De La Rosa, the pro right. bodybuilder. And uh, yeah, when you're not there anymore or you're like, you're, now you're John De La Rosa, the four weeks out bodybuilder. They're like... <laughs> it's a very different John De La Rosa. <laughs> it's very different. Exactly. A very different yeah. guy. So yeah, no. And I think that's... Um, for those of you out there that are, are listening that want to start businesses that are using your platform and your success as a way to um, start your customer base, you have to realize you're always going to have to be there for them because they're part of the reason they're your customers is because of you. Absolutely. Okay, so let's fast forward a bit. So your competitive career was taking off, but your store was starting to suffer a bit. Yeah. So where did you go? How did you manage these two things from this point on? So what then what became really apparent to me was like, okay, well, I need somebody as um, involved in the industry as I am, um, but is passionate about helping people. And, and you know, I knew that I, I, I didn't want my store to be at another store where you're just going to walk in and somebody's going to, take advantage of you not knowing what supplements are and how much they should cost and whatever. And then you're going to walk out and you're like, I spent $300 on two things. And you know, yeah. so I, I, a good friend of mine, Frank Feta, he's a, he competes in, in the NPC. He's a, does men's physique and does pretty well. He's a trainer as well. Loves helping people. He's really passionate about like supplementation and stuff. He works for optimum nutrition for a long time. And uh, I brought him into the store. He was helping me out. He was pretty much like my business partner through that whole time. So when I needed to start prepping, um, I figured that that would be a good buffer. Like people knew yeah. him, yeah. especially in the New York area and stuff. So yeah. it, would good, it would be good for people to walk in and see him. But it still was not enough. Um, yeah. So then I started to say, okay, well, I, I clearly need to be at the store. So I would be at the store but obviously being on a deficit calorically 
doing all the cardio training or whatever, you're just not mentally as, um, I, I don't want to say I'm not approachable because I'm never in a really bad mood. I just, I wasn't as passionate about yeah. being there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't as, as driven, like, oh, I really can't wait to go into work. Like I was in my off season. You know, I, yeah. I, I really took pride in like opening that door, turning the key in the morning and like opening the door to the store and wanting people to come in and yeah. walk in, you know? It just wasn't the same when you're dieting. It's just well, I think, I think people have, um, you know, people think bodybuilders are just assholes sometimes, but I think people forget that we're going through different phases. Like in the off season, we're eating and we're fine and we have good, and it's not just eating. It's like once you're, I feel, I feel like. The pressure. Like, yeah, it's the pressure. And I, I think people don't forget about that part too, right? Because you're competing at our level. Yeah. And like you're trying to run a business and you're trying to get ready for a show and you're like, why is my business not, you know, my business not doing what I want it to do. And I got to win this show so I can get more prize money and I can elevate my career and all these things and get more guest posings and get more yeah. this and that. And all that pressure is on top of you. And then on top yeah. of it all, hormonally, you're all over the place, right? Your body fat levels are, you know, as low as not can. Good. Yeah. yeah. So I think, um, and, and, that, and to that point, too, I think that, like, a lot of people think because, I mean, Fuad, you've been on covers of magazines, you've had multiple articles, and I've had so many people, just people, because people know that you and I are close friends, including myself. I've had articles in magazines and stuff where people, oh, you must be making so much money. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bodybuilding yeah. isn't like what it was back in the day when they were yeah. going around $300,000 contracts. It's just not that anymore. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we have to actually like work, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not, some of us, most of us do. Some of us do have the ability to just hang around and eat and not yeah. have to worry about much. Yeah. Um, but I say the majority of us today, you know, aren't living the Sean Ray and Flex Wheeler lifestyle where they're driving around well, in sport cars. And it's funny. I, 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 it's funny. I, I had this question recently at a seminar I did. And uh, I did a seminar with uh, Seth Ferrosi and Branch Warren, and somebody asked, what's it like being a pro bodybuilder in this era versus before social media? But they meant on the business end. Yeah. And I, I expressed to them that before social media, you would turn pro, like when I turned pro, it was 2006. So I turned pro and immediately I had a muscle tech contract. And from there, I just kind of went on and on and on. You, you had a uh, magazine contract, supplement contract, clothing contract, yeah. and you didn't really have to work for your money. You kind of just had to compete and do well. Yeah. I think now there's a lot of money to be made, but the difference now is nobody's handing it to you. Right. You have to go out and like you have your own clothing line. You have jacked yep. apparel. Yeah. yeah. I have my own clothing line and you have to kind of do these extra things to earn your money. It's not just handed to you anymore. And I think- right. That's, I think, also what's lost on the young guys coming up is there's still a lot of money in bodybuilding. It's not yeah. like, you know, I'm not talking like Major League Baseball, but no. there's money. But you have to, the thing is you have to go get it. Yeah. You, you know, like. You got to be hungry for it. Listen, you trained with Flex Lewis for this, these last two wins you had. Yeah. And Flex is a perfect example of this. Like, I'm sure he has his, his contracts because he's so successful. Yeah. But at the same time, he doesn't rest on those contracts. Like he has how many businesses going and he's very, very proactive and aggressive at earning every, his every money. Every day that 
Flex and I went into the gym, there was a new business dealing or a new business opportunity or a new idea and what, what I thought about it and how we can get it off the ground. I mean, it was always, it's inspiring talking and training with somebody like that because it's very much in line with how I think about bodybuilding. I want to use bodybuilding, like you said earlier, as a platform to further my, my career and, and just life outside of bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, and Flex has learned to maximize every opportunity through that. You yeah. Know? And, he, and he literally, there's not a thing that comes across his email or his phone or his wife's table that they don't look at. Yeah, yeah. They look at every potential, you know, opportunity that comes across their way and they look at it, you know, and they say, okay, will, will this benefit us? How will it benefit us? How will it benefit us? How will it benefit us? Hey! John's, uh, John's got some animals. John's got a couple pits, I think, right? John's got a couple pits. Yeah. What are they doing? Are they fighting each other? Through the gate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you good? You need to lock them up. No, right? no, they're good. They're good. So let me let me ask you a question since we were talking about that because it's actually really interesting, and I, I'm sure, you know, Flex has this mystique about him. Yeah. Um, and I, I know a lot of people probably wonder this. What's it like for you? Okay, you know the saying, like, you think you're working hard until you're around somebody that really is working hard? Yeah. I feel like that's how I would feel if I was around Flex. And I don't mean in the training sense. Right. I've always felt like my, the business of bodybuilding hasn't been great for me. Like, I haven't focused on it as much as I should. Yeah. So what was that like for you being around Flex, who's so good at the business of bodybuilding? Well, that's what I was saying. It's so inspiring because it's every single day. I mean, it could be the stupidest thing where somebody's like, hey, you know, I have a guest posing and they want to pay him this much. And then he just looks at every angle of that business opportunity. Well, yeah. okay, they didn't offer me this, you know, what I'm used to getting paid, but I can maybe do seminars out there. I can do this. I can do that. That's you know, right. and he, That's right. I mean, it's every little opportunity, like I said, and you start to look at it like, man, I've done guest poses where I just went there and I guess posed, I didn't sell t-shirts. I didn't, do, you know, I didn't look at every single uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? You actually feel like embarrassed about yourself. You're like, yes. why yes. did I, I'm like, am I a lazy fuck? I just flew yes. in. Yeah. I did this guest posing thing. I didn't ask to do a store signing. I didn't try and link it with a seminar. I didn't. And it's weird when you're young, I think you don't think of any of these things. You're just like, no. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm going to go guest pose and I'm going to put on a show and I hope they like me and then you're going to leave and that's it. That's it. Then yeah. you have someone like Flex with a business mind who's like, wait a minute, I can do X, Y, Z while I'm there, which also makes him a better bodybuilder because now if he does a store signing, more people saw him. Yep. And if he does a seminar, more people got to hear his views on things. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think a lot of us and a lot of younger guys, and a lot of pros that are maybe just starting out or don't think of any of these things that no. there's more to what we're doing than and, and again like you said it's a lot of exposure he's, he's always looking at like getting himself out there more yeah and it doesn't necessarily be making more money sometimes he will take a loss if it's like let's say some place in the world where he's not that well known yeah he'll take a loss not a loss but he'll he won't make as much money he won't get let's say whatever it is gets paid for guest posing he'll take you know two thousand dollars less but he yeah. gets out there and he'll book these appearances so that way he he gets in front of these people and they get to see who he is what he does and then the next time he goes out it's like he's gonna make more money 
I, uh, so it's an investment in time. Yeah. I wanted to do a podcast because sometimes I do these by myself and I wanted to do one on not saying no. And this is kind of what you're talking about because early on in my career, I can, I specifically remember two instances that I said no to that I will always regret. And, um, one was a bodybuilding judge. He was a judge down South somewhere. He wanted me to come guest pose. And I said, well, I charged $2,000 a a guest posing at the time. And he said, well, I'll give you 1500. I said, no, I'm not coming. And then, you know, Hani told me later, I was working with Hani at the time and Hani's like, you know, sometimes this thing's about networking. It's not always about dollars and cents. Yeah. You go, you just go, just go yeah. Yeah. And, and make the $500 some other way. Right. But it's important to just go. And then, you know, another time, not on a, not on a guest posing, Jay Cutler asked me to come out to Vegas to train with him at the time. He was Mr. Olympia and I was just coming up and I'm like, nah, I'm going to pass. And for me, <laughs> at the time, it was more of an anxiety thing. I didn't want to, yeah. I was yeah. nervous. I was nervous to go out there. Yeah. And uh, it's something I'll regret forever. Yeah. And I think this is in line with what you're talking about with flex is sometimes you have to take a loss or not get everything you want to get, but you're going to make it up in other ways. Yeah. And you have to, you have to be able to see the bigger picture. Yeah. And, uh, well, some- it, and speaking on my, like currently in my situation, um, winning those two shows has opened up a lot of other doors and opportunities for me, yeah. right? which is awesome. So um, let so yeah, let's 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 speed up here. So you just won two pro shows. Mm-hmm. Now you went through a period where people thought you're you were done. Like yeah. I heard little rumblings, like oh, John can't put it together. John's coming out of shape. John's this. Yeah. John's. Yeah. But kind of everybody kind of knew you had it. Like everybody knew your physique was awesome. It just, yeah. what's going on? Why is he not? How did yeah. you go from, how did you go from that to fuck it? I'm going to put it together and, I, and nail down two shows. Well, so, you know, everybody pretty much knows now I went through a divorce and it, and it really, um, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a very, um, I'm a big teddy bear, you know, and I, and I, I love hard and, and it, going through that divorce really just destroyed me because a lot of my identity was wrapped up in my marriage, right? I I lived, breathed, and and did everything for my ex-wife, which there's nothing wrong with. Yeah. The problem is, is that when it consumes all of what you do, right? Everything that I did was to make my ex-wife happy. And and you kind of lose yourself in that. Um, and when I didn't have my marriage anymore, when I didn't have my, my wife anymore, you kind of, you, you're lost. You're just like, all right, well, where do I go from here? You know, because in my mind, I got married to always be with my wife and start a family and we had businesses and we had the house and we had, and we, it seemed as though we were working towards our way, towards what we had always talked about. Can I ask, you, can I yeah. ask you a side question? Because I think a lot of guys struggle with this. How did you how were you so selfless at a, as a bodybuilder? Because body, you know, the saying about bodybuilding is that bodybuilders are self, selfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how were you able to give your wife everything? How are you able to be so giving and be a bodybuilder at the same time? Well, I think, you know, I love bodybuilding more than anything in the world. You know, it's, it's my greatest passion in this, in this life, but 
there was one thing that always, you know, took precedence of that, and that's making my wife happy, right? I took pride in being a husband and being a good husband. I took pride in being a, being able to provide for my wife and give her the best life that I could. So I don't think it was like something that uh, I intentionally or knowingly did. I just wanted to see my wife happy. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So I did whatever I needed to do to make my wife happy. But I think, but I think you said it. You took pride. I think. That's the one thing you said that I don't think a lot of us do is you took pride in being a good husband. Yeah. We, a lot of us, and I'm guilty of this myself. That's why I'm saying we, yeah. a lot of us just kind of go through the motions and we put our efforts into bodybuilding and maybe we don't have the pride that we should have. So maybe that's where you figured it out. Yeah. Maybe, and a lot of maybe. us haven't. Because yeah. if you want to be, if you're proud of yourself, if you want to be a proud husband, like you're proud of the work you did, then you're going to try a lot harder. Right. Yeah. Rather than just take for granted that the person is just going to be there. Yeah. Which is, I yeah. think, what a, lo- a lot of us end up in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I never really gave that thought, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So it where just, did you... It, like I said, for me, it was just never anything that I really thought about. I just kind of, I really enjoyed being a good husband. I enjoyed being married to my wife. I, you know, and I just, I, I really loved seeing her happy. That's really what it was. You know, it wasn't anything like I need to do this so I can be a good husband. I just did what I could. So where, and and, and forgive me if you don't want to get into it too deeply, you don't have to, but where did you go wrong or where did things go wrong? Why, if everything was so, if you were trying so hard and doing so much, where did things kind of fall off? So without um, placing blame on anyone or anything, I think that unfortunately we were just in two very different places in our lives. Um, emotionally, I I guess I could say, um, she had come to a place where she felt like she needed to explore and, and see other people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I never really got closure from it. I don't know why. I don't know if I did something wrong. And that again was, was part of the problem that was eating me up. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, how could you get better? when your when your whole life is being consumed with well what did i what did i do how yeah. how did how did we end up here um and I, you know and, and probably the greatest thing that i did honestly was move down here to florida yeah um i completely removed myself from it was the hardest decision i ever had to make you know me personally you know yeah. how close i am to my family especially my father my siblings um and all of my friends i grew up my whole life and, you know, 34 years in New York. Um, yeah. But in, in that, it was, there wasn't a day that, that went by that people weren't like, oh, how are you doing today? Is everything okay? What yeah. happened? And it, just being in that environment, you're just like, fuck, I'm not going to get better here. I think I, no I, think I, said, I think I said that to you once. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's just that, you know, I, I it became really apparent to me that I just needed to get away. I didn't know yeah. if it was going to be permanent. I didn't know if it was going to be for a week, six months, a year, whatever. I just knew that I need to get away. I need yeah. to like be able to think about me, you know, yeah. because at the same time, you know, losing my home, losing my wife, losing everything. I ended up at 34 years old in my parents' basement with nothing but a garbage bag full of my clothes and my shoes. That's terrifying, man. Like, I can't right. imagine. Like, I'm married. I've been married for 
Uh, I hope my wife's not listening. I think five years, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, we've been together for 12 and you know, I, I know relationships end and stuff, but I think a lot of the fear too, is you've built like you built yeah. people, you know, if somebody's not married, they don't realize you build an empire together. Like yes. you have your own little hill of dirt, you know, like we yeah. have, you know, we buy a house, you buy cars you buy, and then when it's over, you're kind of like, okay, I got to start all over again. Over, yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the most terrifying part. Yeah. After, like aside from getting over the emotional side of it. Right. So now you have to get over right. the financial so, and that's, side. And that's the other thing I want to make very clear. Like I decided to walk away. Yeah. I once whatever happened in the household that happened, I left my house and I never went back. I never yeah. saw the inside of my house after the day that I found out what I found out. I just left and I didn't I never wanted to because for me that house represented love and unity and a beautiful future it, it, re- it represented so much more than what happened yeah yeah so i never wanted to see it i mean for me i just wanted to leave it as that yeah um and i never went back i lost every piece of furniture every everything that i owned except for my clothes and my shoes i lost it all yeah so here i am at 34 years old in my parents basement you know, with the with the mattress that was thrown on the floor, and that was it. And you know what's funny? Um, Can I, I just to interrupt? Sorry, but yeah, this is the craziest part of all of this. This probably let me ask you this real quick: How long of a span of time was that between, like, that when you found out like you weren't going to be together, and then actually finally kind of starting to get your life together and feeling better? How long of a span was that? Um, about a year. Okay, so this is the craziest and, and part. And things are still not. Things are still not. There, I still go through some emotional battles. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know? Well, this yeah. is the crazy. This is what I was leading to, though. Is this is the thing about bodybuilding that people don't get? They see all our Instagram posts. They see all our pictures. We're big guys. We're supposed to be like hard as fuck and not have any emotions. Yeah. And yeah. Well, why did he come out of shape? He's a pro. He should know how to get in shape. Why did he? Why is he not doing well this off season? He should. He's a pro. He should. He should know how to train by now. This is the kind of shit you hear, but people don't realize there's outside fucking things involved. Like right, in, and, in, and that's the in thing. Profession. One one of the things that like I tell people all the time, like, well, what? Because some people leading into the Arnold saw how good I looked. Yeah, and um, I pre- I was pretty much on par to like be one of one of my best all time shapes at the Arnold. Yeah. Four days before the Arnold, I find out this horrific news, and I didn't sleep. Yeah. I didn't sleep a peep for four days. I went on stage delirious. I talked to you. I was surprised that you even competed, because how long before the Arnold's did you find out that you were in this situation? Four days before the Arnold. Four days before the Arnold. So I'm surprised that you even stepped on stage, because for me, I would be like, I was emotionally distraught. I didn't sleep. I mean, emotions obviously were just all over the place. I was, and then, so then, and then the thing is, you know, this side of the business, we have contractual obligations. That's right. That's right. So now I got to stand there, smile and pretend you're happy. Perfectly fine. And you had to go to the the craziest things you had to, not even just the show, you got to go to the meet and greet. Yeah. And you got to meet. Oh my God. And you got to, 
and it's not the fans' fault. So you can't. You got to try and meanwhile, maintain. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm going through all of this, and and my my ex wife, you know, my wife at the time is standing right next to me, pretending that like everything's fine as well. I couldn't do it. I don't know how you. Honestly, John, I so, probably would have got. I probably would have got fined from the IFBB because I'd have been like. Yeah. Fuck this! I'm not competing. I'm not doing a meet and greet. You can ban me for life. Yeah. I just I don't have that. Um, like I I know you're an emotional person. Like you're a sensitive guy, and I am yeah. too. But I wear my emotions on my sleeve, so people can yeah. tell if I'm angry, if I'm happy. If I, it's not, I don't know how yeah. to hide that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. believe you. That's crazy, yeah. man. So then, and then the other the hardest part was we had I had again a contractual obligation to be at the Arnold in Australia. Yeah. Uh, two two weeks later, so you know, again, minimal minimal sleep, and and very few people inside of our circle know what was going on, and yeah. they were all telling me, John, don't go, don't do this. You just it's gonna ruin your career, blah blah. But in my head, I was kind of like, I have to do this because I don't want to stop and have to put more thought into this. You're doing so, it just to kind of keep your mind occupied. Right. right. I see. I was, I was spending two three hours in the gym just walking around you know i would do my workout and just kind of like i didn't want to go home i didn't want to so you felt like you know so you felt like a normal person just walking around the gym like all these people just pretty much (laughs) but you know what i mean like i knew that once i got in those four walls it was like it was just me and my thoughts yeah 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 and i didn't want to face them i didn't want to think about them i just kind of was going through the motions of going to the gym training and then finding something to do yeah. Whether it was abs for an extra hour or glutes or whatever it was, but I was driving myself into the ground and not resting. Yeah, you know, um, you know, and and it, and and it went like that all the way through July when I did the Chicago Pro and they placed me last. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember, you know, I won't mention any name, but a pretty pretty influential person in our industry came up to me and they were like, "Look, we didn't want to do this, but you need to stop." Yeah. Sometimes somebody, sometimes somebody's got to tell you, you know, like you think, you think you're doing the right thing and somebody needs to pull you aside and go, Hey man, to rethink this. Uh, So you use the gym. I mean, I know, I know at the time it sounds like you're using the gym just to keep yourself occupied. Yeah. But to take something positive out of it, you still use the gym to kind of get you through. Absolutely. Because I've been, because I've been in the same situation. Like I, I, I dated a girl for seven years and we broke up. I was back in the gym the next day. Yeah, it was like, I can't. And I had this message actually come to me from someone a little while ago. He said uh, something about he broke up with his girlfriend and his mom is in the hospital and he's not sure what to do and he can't find the motivation to go to the gym. And I said, that is your motivation to go That's to the gym. That's right. Anytime, like when my, when I had a breakup or when my father passed away or anything, like anytime I've had something bad happen, and it sounds really cliche, but I use the gym. I go to the, just to kind of, I mean, look, physiologically you're releasing endorphins, so it's going to make you feel better that way if possible. Yeah. Right. And then at the same time, you're just keeping your routine, which is going to be better than laying in a bed, just thinking Moping about around. Yeah, that's right. right. So. Yeah. I, I always tell people like, you know, I work with clients as well that I help prep and stuff. And they always ask me, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll be lacking motivation or whatever. And I tell them, look, for me, the gym was like church. Yeah. Right. Every yeah. day, every every Sunday, whatever it is, whatever your religion is, you, you you have your day. You go to church. You never miss. It's just what you do. That's right. For me, the gym is the same way. 
didn't matter what was going on. I'm going to be at the gym. Yeah. You know, but it's not and it necessary. helped me. It helped me to, again, like you said, stay on track. Yeah. Follow my routine. But also whatever it was that I was going through in my life. I remember going through a breakup when I was a teenager and, uh, I had been trying to break this plateau on the bench at 315. I was getting like 10 or 12 reps at the time or whatever, something, something like that. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, I, I used that anger and I smashed that plateau. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> yeah, that's right. and it clicked. I was like, man, if I just get angry that's right. and use that anger, I can turn that into something positive. That's right. That's right. That's and what I tell you. Like, yeah. To harness that's that energy. Yeah. yeah. That's what I tell everybody. Like learn to just use that into and, and harness that into something positive whatever it is you're going through a breakup financial stress whatever whatever it is so that. that gives me that brings up two questions the first one's pretty simple you were benching 315 as a fucking teenager yeah i was a, i was always a strong <laughs> presser though always a strong presser i don't think i benched 315 till i was like 23 really? <laughs> and that was yeah. uh, i was probably like 19 18 19 yeah yeah, yeah yeah but you were doing it for reps that's fucking yeah. crazy uh, I got short arms. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, the uh, the second thing it brought up um, was it's not that you're so hardcore that you don't care and you're like, I got to go to the gym because I need gains, bro. It's more like it's literally just to keep your sanity. Yeah. And it's our, it's our routine. It's our way of doing things. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of people try to, like, put us in this box. And I, and I made this post the other day about this. Like, I, I, I wanted to give my hand at, like, modeling, right? Yeah. And you'll you'll be seeing my Instagram. Like, I've done a lot of modeling stuff. I saw the last you know, one you put up. It looked good. Still fitness re related. Yeah. But, you know, I felt like for so long, like, I would ask. It, it kind of interested me because my ex-wife used to do a ton of modeling. Yeah, yeah. And I would be on set with her. And, man, you know, I'd like to do this. It looks like fun. Yeah. Um, just to kind of get into like this different character. Yeah. And for years, you, and I'm sure you felt like this too, like, you know, a lot of photographers will just want to get you under a bench and like, ah, you're screaming and you're yelling. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they make you want to seem like this animal, right? And I'm like, well, I, I wanted to try something different. And it actually took me a little while to find a photographer to want to do it. Yeah. Um, because they were all like, oh, you're too big. Don't you think it'll look funny? And yeah. Like, Dude, I want to try it. Doesn't matter. Um, and, and that's what I feel like a lot of people put us in this box. Like we're these animals, like we're these savages. Yeah. We just, like you said, we're so hardcore. We just go in the gym and we don't care about anything else. It's like, no, we're, we're normal people with emotions and shit going on in our lives too. Yeah. And, you know, things that we got to deal with and, you know, and it's, I think social media, like, again, I, I tried to use my social media as a, as a really positive platform for people to see. All, all, everything that's going on in my life. I have, I've tried my best not to um, put too much information out there with, in regards to my personal life and what I went through. But I, I let people know, like, hey, you know, I'm going through a really hard time, um, but I'm still going to the gym. Yeah. I'm still trying to stay on my routine. I'm still dieting for this show. Thank you guys for the love and support. And, you know, just trying to stay as connected as possible because people really do need to see, like, even though that we paint this pretty picture when they put us in this magazine and we've got all these crazy muscles and we're lifting this crazy weight and we're doing well on stage, it doesn't mean that there's not other things going on in life. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's life, life. There's so much more to life than just what you see in these magazines or somebody's Instagram page. But that's why, 
that's why I also post about my injuries all the time. People are like, why are you always yeah. injured? I'm like, I'm not always injured. I just let you know about it all the time yeah. because I'm trying to tell people that this is like, there's bad shit that happens to us. It's not always great. Yeah. Some of the, if you look at some of these people's Instagrams, it's like their life is just fucking rainbows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, no, man, that's not fucking real. Like, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got to fight with my wife last night. She didn't talk to me in fucking a day. I slept yeah. on the fucking couch. Like, <laughs> that shit's fucking real, man. That that's shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's yeah. what I want. I want people to know. Like, look, I got, chicken, I got, bro. She ate my chicken. <laughs> I, I tore my fucking tricep, right? Listen to this yeah. story. This is fucked up. So I, I tear my tricep and it was like a week or two after so i i'm not allowed to bend my arm so i can't wash like this side of my body in the shower right because yeah. i can't get yeah. my arm up here yeah yeah so me and my wife got in this massive fight i sleep on the couch i'm like fuck her i'm not gonna talk to her i don't care and uh, i'm stubborn i'm just stubborn as fuck right so yeah, yeah, yeah i sleep on the couch the next day i get up i gotta take a shower to go to the gym so I go to the shower, i'm like what the fuck am I going to do now? My wife is not talking to me and I'm trying to be hardcore. So I don't want to talk to her, but I can't clean my fucking body. So I'm like, so I get in the shower and I just call her. I'm like, yeah. like summer, summer, come help. So, so she, give in. she runs in the shower thinking something's wrong. Like I hurt myself. She's like, yeah. what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, I can't wash this side of my body. She's like, you're such a fucking asshole. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> so, so it just Help funny. Me like, my ass over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because people just don't. Yeah. I, I, this is what I, like, I listen. I love Instagram. Yeah. I love, I love, I use it like a journal and I tell people what's going on in my life and stuff. And I like interacting with people. Yeah. The only thing I hate about Instagram is that a lot of the really popular people don't show like they won't tell a story like i just told you yeah they want everybody to think that they're on a beach and they're fucking they're making tons of money and they got a nice cars yeah and i just wish and that's cool if that's what you know if that's what your life is that's awesome but just let people know that sometimes like shit does get hard yeah because a lot of us the majority of us are having that life where it's It's not always on a beach in a Ferrari. And, I, and that's, that's one of the things that, like, it drives me nuts, too, because there's so many, and you and I know a lot of these people, we run in the same circles, they use their Instagram, and it's such a, like, it's, it's always a sales pitch. It's always, like, and it's like, okay, I get it. You yeah. want to use your Instagram as a platform to make money. It's a business. I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, use it for something positive, right? Yeah. So yeah. many of these people have the opportunity with millions of followers yeah. to let's the, the one thing that, that is near and dear to me that, you know, I've spoken about plenty of times is me and Victor have a thing or Victor has a thing that we do every year. It's called fit for autism. Yeah. Right. Just recently, Phil Heath at the Arnold had a, an autistic autism event, right? Okay. It was a free event. You come in, you, you buy a drink or whatever, that money goes towards the things like this. It's like, why aren't we as a community? I see what you're saying. Why aren't the really, really popular people making that effort? You know, but it's, that's it's easy for them to say, hey, go buy my new fucking ebook for $19.99. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can't make a post and say, hey, you know what? Business aside, Phil Heath is the champ, was the champ, whatever it is, come support his event. 
because yeah. this is going to reach a lot more people and and do a lot more great than buying my fucking ebook for today. Yeah, yeah. You know I get I mean? it. Yeah. I, I think it's just so disappointing because like I, I look at some of these people and I'm like, man, if I had that platform, like I totally get it. You want to make money, you want to capitalize on your time and I get that. Yeah. But dude, take it take a day and just say, you know what, come support this event, yeah. guys. But I think that's look, I'm guilty of that. And I and I and I agree with you hundred percent. We should all do better at giving back. Yeah. Uh, I try and give back in other ways, but I would love to do yeah. an event like that also. But yeah. I think a lot of us just get caught up in our the, the rat race. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's it, cause it's still a business, right? Like it's still a yeah. job. Like, yeah. like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, how can I be better? Yeah. How can my, how can my business be better? How can I, yeah. how can yeah. I do more to get people to mm-hmm. connect with me? Like, and I think you're right. I think sometimes you have to step back and be a little bit more selfless and be like, how can I just give them something for nothing? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, that, like I said, it's, it's, and it doesn't have to be an autism event. It could be an event or, or just make awareness, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. cancer awareness month or whatever it is. Just, yeah. we, again, we as a community have, as a fitness community, we, we can reach so many people. So yeah. many, hundreds of millions of people because everybody looks to us to want to get in shape or abs or better blood or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. we all come together as a community and use some of that for good, I mean, I think for one, as a as a community, our our um, the way we are looked at, our standing would be better. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But also, I mean, I think it would do a whole lot more good for the people that are actually involved in this sport. Like I said, I was heartbroken for Phil when I went to that event. Again, the autism thing is near and dear to me because Victor does have two autistic boys. Yeah. And Victor's kids are like, they're like my kids. I love them, you know? And uh, so that thing is near, near and dear to me, but I was heartbroken at that event because it was, I was one of like three other pros that showed up. Yeah. Do you think, let me ask you this because sometimes if I, let's say I post something that's not bodybuilding related, like, um, I forget somebody's, I forget whose house burned down recently uh, and, yeah. and I don't, or even, you know what, even on a more positive note, uh, Cedric has, uh, that youth camp that he runs. I don't yeah, know if you've yeah, seen him post that. about it, yeah. which is like really inspiring to me when I see yeah. that. Right. Cause yeah, I'm, awesome. I, would, I would love to be able to set something like that up. Yeah. So he said he needed to reach a certain goal. So I donated like two or 300 bucks, whatever. Yeah. But you know what's crazy is I feel like you're right about us doing more as a whole community to increase our standing in society. Mm-hmm. But when I posted about that, and it's not, oh, a yeah. neg- it's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. So you'd think people would be like, okay, because I posted before about somebody's house burning down and I can see some people don't want to like just yeah. give me, it's yeah. a negative thing and they don't know the person, they have their own problems or like, I'm going to keep my money to myself. Okay. Yeah this is a positive thing. Cedric had like 15 or 20 kids that he was like trying to do this community centered thing for. And it's like 300 likes. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Like nobody, nobody commented. Nobody, I don't know if anybody donated any money on that because of what I posted, but I feel like sometimes maybe people want to do what you're saying, but it just doesn't get the response. Right. Well, and I think, but the thing is, I think also is that, you're one of many people in this industry. Right? Yeah. If I can, if I can remember that post, I think I only saw you and maybe one other person. Posting. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're you saying know, like if we more if like collectively we did it together like yeah, we all stand more people would something and say, "Hey, you know, guys, this is this month we as a community are supporting this." I get that. That makes you sense. Know? Because again, I think we have the ability people look to us, you know, and and I'm super super grateful for where I'm at in my life that people actually want to listen to what I have to say. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, if we all have this incredible opportunity and platform that people want to listen to what we have to say. And we can say, Hey guys, you know what, this month we as a fitness community are, are standing behind this cause because of so-and-so can we raise some money? Imagine the awareness that we would raise, not just, not just for us to say, Hey, look, we're good people, yeah, but just to, to help maybe a, a family that needs, you know what yeah, I mean? But then, but then look where we're at in society. They have, no. they have gay pride month. And people are angry. They're like, no, we have to have straight Pride Month too. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I know. So it's like, I so know. I agree with you. But then you're like, okay, what cause could we get behind yeah. that everybody would agree with us on? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's hard. Like, it would have to be something really vi- like broad, like you know, cancer awareness or something yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. But listen, I want to switch gears a bit just because I want to yeah. ask you. I, we don't have a lot of time. It's been. A, I don't want to keep you too long, but um, I want to ask you because. I'm going to fast forward past all, you know, the store is gone. You're divorced. You're moved on with your life. People always ask me, how do you get through adversity? How come you just keep training? How come you have all these injuries and nothing stops you and this and that? I'm going to ask you the same thing because those are two pretty dramatic things. The store closed. I don't know if that was by choice or it was bad. And yeah, then well, we, we sold, we sold it uh, when things started to kind of. Yeah. And now, but now you're you just smashed two wins and you're on your way to the olympia yeah well how do we go um, from this thing a year ago to where you are now i think um again getting back to it is one of the biggest things that i had to learn to do was become a little selfish and and i want to be careful when i say that because people will become selfish and like completely shut everybody out and it's all about me 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 um but what i and what I'm trying to say is, I kind of touched on it earlier, is that I had to, I had to give up a lot of the things, a lot of the comforts in my life, my family, my friends, the gym that I trained at for the last 14 years. I gave up a lot of that to rediscover what I truly loved. Yeah. Right? And I always knew bodybuilding was something that I was, it was never, it was always going to be a part of me. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I, I got away from how, just how important it really was to me. I remember being a young boy, just like you, I'm sure, and dreaming of becoming Mr. Olympia. Mm-hmm. Whether that's ever going to happen or not, I don't know. But I do know that at some point during my marriage and owning the business and losing it all and whatever, I lost that dream. I yeah. lost I lost that clear vision that I had that one day, no matter what it was, I was going to reach that goal. Yeah. So removing myself from that situation and moving to Florida and becoming a little more selfish and, and really getting back to what, what was it that made Don Della Rosa happy? What was it that I needed in my life to feel full and happy again and, and be able to be my best? Because if I'm at my best, everybody else around me is going to be better. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, for me, it's really difficult because 
it's hard for me to be selfish, but if I can find a good reason for me to be selfish, and that reason was if I'm better, everybody else around me would be better. I see what right? you're saying. So yeah. my, my reasoning was my family, I had to put on this face like everything was okay. No, I'm okay, mom. I'm, I'm good. I'm dealing with this fine. When yeah. really inside, I was fucking dying. Yeah. Right? So I realized that, you know what? I need to be better because everybody else around me would be better. That was my reason, right? Yeah. If I can get back to being really happy, everybody else around me will know that, hey, you know what? John's okay. He's doing good. And you know what I mean? It makes sense. Yeah. So I was able to step away, move to Florida. I don't know a single soul here. Um, you know, I have family in Orlando, which is three and a half hours away. I have a you know, family in Ocala, which is five hours away. And I haven't seen them since I've been here. Um, but I knew that I needed to get away. I needed to find myself again, recenter, refocus, whatever it is you want to call it. And I just, I just picked up and left. And yeah. um, I literally had my show um, in October um, 13th last year in the Dominican Republic, a show that me and Victor promoted. Yeah. And I was on the fence about maybe finding another apartment in New York, maybe buying a home in New York. Or I, I was on the fence of where I, what I, exactly I was going to do. That week that I spent away in the Dominican Republic finalizing everything for the show, yeah, I was alone for most of the week. It just clicked. I was like, I need to be alone. I need yeah. to move away. Like if, if I could stay here, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went home. I literally packed whatever I had in my truck like three days after the show and I started driving. Yeah. I ended up in Florida. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds, sounds kind of cool though, man. Like it's a fresh start, you know? It, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember calling um, my boss, who's no longer with the company anymore, uh, Betting Court Nutrition. I called Joaquin, and I was like, he was like, "Are you almost here?" I said, "Yeah, I'm almost here." He was like, "All right, let me help you come unpack." I said, "If you want, sure." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he showed up at the house, and uh, I opened up my my trunk, and there goes the black. So you, so you got an apartment on your own in Florida? I have a house. I have Oh, you okay? You got a house, okay? Yeah, uh, I'm renting the house now. I had a you know nice backyard for my dogs, and you know, so I knew that I wanted to just not lose, not feel like I lost my life. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I wanted a house that way I can kind of feel comfortable again. So to to so getting out of the situation was step one, but all yeah. along you're still in the gym, you're still training, you're still. Never missed a workout, just, nothing. Yeah, just trying to get through adversity and trying to move yep. on. So then yeah. now you're in Florida. Now you're prepping for Puerto Rico. Yeah, well, we were. Oh, you did New York first. Sorry, you did New York first. No, no. Actually, I got here and I was on my diet the very first day I got here. I, okay. I got here like November 12th. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to shoot straight for the Indie Pro. Okay. Um, but emotionally, I, I still wasn't in the right place. Yeah, so plus you, still probably, you probably saw to get your bearings for moving to a new city and everything too. Right, like, it's kind of right. crazy but to just... I was so like, I need to get back to me. I need to get back. I was yeah. so like, you know? Yeah. Um, so I started dieting for the Indie Pro and I was like, you know what? Halfway through it, I was kind of like, you know what? I wouldn't be doing myself any justice if I got back on stage and I'm still dealing with... I was still dealing with the divorce. Yeah, yeah. Legally, with the paperwork and all this shit. Yeah, of course. Like, now is not the right time. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, man, I, I think that the, the takeaway there is, is like, find what truly make, like moves you. Find what truly makes your heart beat faster and your yeah, yeah. passion and you love and never give up on it. 
Yeah. And if you have to take a step away to find that focus again, to find that, that passion, that drive, that love again, do that. Okay. Um, so wait a minute. So let me stop you. So you finally decide on New York, you get there, you play, where'd you place in New York? Fourth. But your conditioning was good and everything was good, right? Yeah, everything was good. I mean, I was how did it feel? happy with what we bought. I want to know how it felt after everything to step on stage and be happy uh, with. I was, so last year I was at the New York Pro. I remember this like it was yesterday because it, it was heartbreaking to me. And, and I'm sure that you, you will probably, this will resonate with you. I'm sure that like as many people have been in the stands screaming for your name when you go across that stage, you can pick up Summer's voice, wherever she is oh, yeah. in that crowd. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah, 100%. New York Pro was the first time I didn't hear Swan screaming for me. This time or last year? Last year. Last year, so yeah. So I went backstage and I was crushed. I was crying like a fucking baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just, for whatever reason, it just, it just destroyed me. Yeah. This year, I walked across the stage and I went backstage and I cried because I felt this overwhelming sense of, I'm back. That's right. Nice. You know, it's like an overwhelming feeling of accomplishment and yes, kind of yes. going through the fire, right? Yeah. Yep. That's nice. Yep. So you go from there and you're on a high, you decide to go to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And then you get your, is that your first pro win? That was my second pro win. What was your first pro win? Chicago pro 2015. Oh fuck. Okay. So, okay. So we won our first pro shows the same year. Yeah. Did you scream on stage like I did when I won? Yes. yes. <laughs> I was jumping up and down and going nuts. <laughs> I think people, man, when I won my first pro show, I started screaming, right? Ah, yeah. And I remember looking around and people thought I was just something wrong with me. They're like, what the yeah, fuck yeah. is wrong with this guy? And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think, because I don't know if a lot of them realized I had been a pro for like 10 years already. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, finally fucking nailed one. Got it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know if people looked at you like you were fucked up, but people were oh, like, yeah. why is this guy screaming? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just like, uh, okay. So, <laughs> So you got your second pro in, so you weren't screaming, but you're definitely probably elated to finally be back at the Olympia. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, then you... I, I was definitely an emotional wreck that, that when I got back to my room, I was like, wow. Because, you know, I, I, I was really happy with how I looked at New York, and I felt good, and I was like, okay, things are back on track. And um, But to go to Puerto Rico and then finally get that ticket back to the Olympia, I was just like, wow, I never expected it to be this good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a, how long has it been since you did the Olympia? Four years now. That's a long time. Yeah. It's yeah. been 10 years for me. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, um, so then you go to Toronto and you fucking win that one too. Yeah. So now you're yeah. like, you go from the lowest of low to the highest, right. point, the highest point in your career, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how does it and, feel? And it was like, to, Toronto was a tougher was, lineup too. So how does that feel when you're like, well, you know, that was you beat a couple of good guys there. Thing. That was the whole thing, you know. Again, I'm a man of my word, and Ron Hatch and I spoke about six months ago. Yeah, uh, and he was like, "Hey, John, you know, you, I know you're doing New York. You're gonna come. I've always done that. I've done New York, Toronto. You and I have done it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, you know, it's just I love Ron's show. It's, it's yeah, such an amazing show. He does do a good job. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's such it's amazingly run. I mean the I've always been super happy tre being treated as an athlete there. And so he's done an awesome job. And every time I get the opportunity, I do it. So six yeah. months ago, he's like, Hey, you're doing New York. You're going to do Toronto. And I said, Ron, I'm there. I promise you. Yeah. Um, so I'm a man of my word. And I was 
I was gutted for Ian, you know, because I, I, I understand and I know how he. You say, wait a minute. Did you say you were gutted for Ian? Yeah. Why? Because you beat him. Yeah. Come on, man. You're not that selfless, are you? Okay. <laughs> ladies no, and gentlemen, ladies was, gentlemen I'm talking. Okay. I'm officially talking to the nicest man in the IFBB. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is like, I, I look at it like this. Like I had my, I had my Olympic qualification, right? Yeah, I get it. And, and, and it's like, I took it from him and it's like, fuck, man, I, I, I wish I didn't have to do that. But I was, I'm a man of my word. I told Ryan I'd be there. And the other thing was, Neil and I had this, we, we were out for vengeance after yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah, of course. And we were only out for vengeance because people were kind of like, well, he didn't beat anybody in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I became, I was pissed because after what I had just gone through. That's right. And looking the way that I did, because I felt I looked great. I was yeah. like, you're, you're just discrediting all my work because I didn't beat anybody. Like, you, want the, you want the respect. You want the respect right. that comes with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then. You know, we go to Toronto, and Ian's is a phenomenal bodybuilder, along with everybody else. Josh Wade looked great. James yeah. Collins looked great. The kid Joe that turned pro. Fuck. Joe Seaman looked great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. all these guys came out, and they looked great. And the sense of accomplishment, again, was like, you see, I, I knew I could do it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, was, I just I was gutted for Ian. I was you like, can't be gutted, man. Listen, at the end of the day, this is a business. So, you know, it's not only a contractual obligation. You – Listen, I would have done the same thing. You're like, you know what? I can rack up another one here. First of all, yeah. there's a financial side to this too. I mean, there's a there's oh, yeah. a there's prize money there, and there's yeah. I mean, I don't know how your contract's set up. But there could be bonuses. Yeah. And hey, I mean, it's just raising your stock even more. So yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't feel bad. Ian's young. He's 26 or 27, which is crazy looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna win a show next month or the month after i mean yeah, i hope so i hope so the guy he's a great it would make guy. me feel better if you did <laughs> <laughs> i've never met anybody like you dude. But listen, you know what you i think that's why you and paul get along so well yeah, <laughs> yeah. Partner, paul. yeah. um yeah. no but yeah ian's a great bodybuilder man he's gonna be fine yeah. so now you're getting ready for the olympia what's your goal yeah. at the olympia so neil and i have set to pretty lofty goals um but i i think getting ready for this year we, we set some lofty goals I, I told him that i wanted to be the best i'd ever been and i think i accomplished that um and i remember getting ready for toronto like three days after puerto rico he was like john if we keep getting better from this you this is a top six a you look at the olympia okay and i have videos on my phone i'm like that's a really good look and uh, he kept saying to do the weekend. And then when I won and I came back, you know, he had, he was emotional and, and just, you know, he knows the whole story or whatever. And he was like, yeah, we bring this fucking look. You're going to be top six to eight at the Olympia. So, so that's okay. the goal. I know what Neil, that's fine. That's what Neil thinks. I want to hear the nicest guy in bodybuilding. Tell me what he thinks. Where do um, you, where do you, I'm not going to say, where do you think you're going to place? Cause nobody knows. Where do you want to place? Or, would, or the, obvious, like to, the obvious would, answer to that is you're going to win. But okay, let me right. rephrase it one more time. Where well, no, do you I'm, think I'm you can rash? Where do you think, think you can place? I, I don't think I can win the show quite this year. Um, I'd like to think I have an opportunity, and I'm going to keep working towards that in the next two years. But I, I think that uh, realistically, I think I can place top six. Okay. Um, and, here, and here's the thing. I, I'm going to remove myself 
um, that's a huge emotional that's, attachment. That's, that's huge. You know that, eh? Uh, it's it's incredible. But here's the here's where I'm at. I'm just thinking logically here. I'm going to remove myself if we could just kind of pretend like we cut my head off and we put. Okay, we're I pretend we're going to pretend we're talking to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> tell me what. Tell me your rationale. So here here we are. We have William Bonac. Yeah. We have Sean Roden. Yeah. And this is assuming that Phil doesn't jump in and, and Kai doesn't jump in because I don't know what's going to happen there. But so we have William Bonac, Sean Roden. Roly Winkler, um, presumably Brandon Curry, and who else would be that top five? Rami. Rami's not doing it. Oh, no. Rami's sitting it out. Um, who else is there, Matt? Who'd you say? You said Roly, you said Roly, Brandon Curry, Dexter right. Jackson. Dexter Jackson. There we Dexter go. Dexter Jackson. There you so go. Let's, let's, say, let's, let's say that's top five. Okay. Right. What about Nathan Diasha? So here's, here's where I'm going with it. <laughs> So Nathan I'm gonna Diasha, stir up, I'm gonna stir up some shit. <laughs> yeah, here, and, and it's just again, I'm I'm gonna remove myself because I'm I'm friends with all these guys and they're all incredibly incredible athletes. Yeah, yeah. But here's here's what I'm here's where I'm thinking. Okay. Right. If you take those top five, aside from Dexter, because Dexter's pretty fucking complete, all of them are missing something. Yeah. All of them. And even Dexter, right? even Dexter, even though he's super complete, he's now 50 years old. Right. So who and knows? Age might be catching up to him. I don't, ever, I don't ever want to doubt Dexter, but you never know. At right. some point, he's got to look old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be 70 and still yeah. <laughs> Still taking our checks. Yeah. I was going to so, do, I thought about doing Tampa Bay, and then they're like, Dexter's doing it. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, doesn't he have enough fucking wins? Can he just fuck off? Like, yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go on. So, okay. No, no. So if you look at those top five, they all have, they're all missing something. Um, and I think me as a bodybuilder, again, I'm, I'm removing myself, just trying to look at the physiques. I'm not really missing much. Maybe yeah. I could be a little thicker and denser. You know, conditioning is now starting to come through. My shape is really good. So it's not really missing much. So if we're just looking at these physiques, I don't see why I can slip into that six spot. Yeah. Know? So I don't see why. I don't see why not either. Again, I just, again, that's if all the stars align, conditioning is good and whatever, but. Okay, we're going to play, let's, if we're playing objective, right? So now we're going to cut my head off. And now I can give you my opinion, right? Like, yeah. and we're, we're solid enough that I can be honest, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think that's a possibility for you if you can do one thing. I've yet to see a grainy John De La Rosa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, I've always looked at your physique and thought, this guy fucking isn't missing anything. Yeah. You know, you you're shorter, but you don't look like a short guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Where your proportions yeah. set up. Yeah. You don't have any lagging body parts. You don't have a thick waist. You don't have any of the things that would hurt you. Yeah. It, and now you're right. The conditioning is coming through. You strided glutes, strided lower back, everything. Yeah. But the muscle, the skin on the muscle itself. It needs to be. You need yeah. to be thinner. Yeah. Because I think if people see like that wow conditioning on your yeah. physique, you have a Dexter Jackson. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. if I look at your physique and I look at Dexter's, it's not very different. Like you're a little, you're a little shorter, right? Or same no, height. We're about the same height. We're about the yeah, you're about the same height. You look a little thicker than he does. Yeah. But you're both very, very complete. Yeah. With like a smaller waist and stuff. Like it's a very similar. Yeah. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah. The difference is Dexter gets that razor sharp. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think that's if you can get that, I don't see why you're not in the same place. Yeah. 
Well, that's the, that's the goal, and that's why you know I, I will make this public because it really doesn't matter. Two days after um, I got back from Toronto, I had hernia umbilical hernia surgery. Okay. Um. So, but I mean, the day after that, Neil has sent over my plan for the Olympia. So we started dieting for the Olympia three days after I got back from Toronto. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, the goal is to continue to just work on that condition and, and yep. get, get it leaner and leaner. We have 14 weeks to do that. So we're looking I forward think we're to in it. a really, really good place to do that. And, you know, like I said, I think if all the stars align, it's a real possibility that I can slip into that six spot. I don't see why not. Listen, we're, we've gone over an hour here, so I want to give you a few. No, it's, a good, it's a good hour. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know I don't want to keep no, it's going. It's okay. It's all right. But I want to do just a few quick hit questions. You don't have to be long in the answer if you don't want to. Um, just to kind of wrap it up because I think people like these little quick hitters, right? So there's one that – this one might not be as quick. This one's actually my own personal question. How do you feel about Phil and more specifically Kai – not doing the Olympia because they want to get paid because I've heard, this is the two arguments I've heard. The one argument is this, Hey Kai, you're getting paid to win. So go do the show. Right. The other argument I've heard is, yeah, but the promoter is going to make a ton more money if Kai does the show. So Kai should get a piece of that. Now, where do you fall on that? Because if we look at like, if you look at the NFL, for example, right? Why do those guys make so much money? It's because there's thousands and thousands of people in the stands. Right. Now, if Kai's going to bring 10,000 more people to the show or a million more eyeballs to the show, does he deserve a piece or is he being wrong, so, is he wrong in asking for that? So as an athlete, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on both sides of the fence here. As an athlete, because I do promote shows as well. As an athlete, yes, absolutely. He's entitled to some of that money if he brings those people to the stands. But here's the thing as a promoter. How do you know how many people he's bringing to the stands? Yeah, but you know Kai. If Kai does the show, Kai will, Kai yeah. will bring, right? So what, what I would do as a promoter is draw up a contract and say, hey, look, we will. these are the numbers for the last three, four years that you have not attended the Olympia. These are our numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here these are going to be the numbers afterwards, whatever they are. If you bring, if these numbers are whatever more, yeah. You're entitled to a percentage here. Oh, that's actually, you know what? That's actually a really good way of looking at it. Cause it's almost like the UFC, like pay-per-view thing. Like that's if it. like John Jones does like a pay-per-view, they're like, okay, because you're so popular, you're going to get a percentage right. of the pay-per-view buys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I and again, as an athlete and a fan of this sport, I feel it's a real shame that we're missing out again. Do I want Kai to do the Olympia? Do I want Phil to do the Olympia? No, because then they're not. <laughs> But as an athlete and as a fan, I truly love the sport of bodybuilding. It's a shame that these guys are not doing So wait a minute. Though. So, so your final answer then is, yes, Kai should get paid, yeah. but only – like it has to be like a rational amount, not before, not a predetermined amount. Right. Like I said, the, the promoters, whoever they are that are – that they have these numbers, they yep. have these statistics, yep. write up a contract and say, here are our numbers for the last four or five years that you have not done the Olympia. Yeah. If we see an increase in ticket sales and whatever, expo ticket sales, whatever it is, yeah. this is, you're entitled to a percentage of that. Yeah, increase. yeah, I really, uh, you know what? I really like that approach because now you're working with like a direct correlation of numbers. You're not just right. guessing. Right, 
Okay, so next question. Nowadays, people talk about clean bulk. They just, nobody wants to get fat. Everybody has to look shredded all the time. And, oh, you can get huge just by eating chicken and rice. I personally call bullshit. Yeah. I think you got to bulk. Like, you really got to bulk. Right. If, you're ta- if, if you're talking about putting a lot of mass on. Right. So, where do you stand on the clean bulk versus dirty bulk? So, I, I do a little bit of both, as many of you guys have seen. I've done my eating challenges and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I tend to get, like, really fat if I don't watch what I eat for the most part. Yeah. So, I try to do a little bit of both. There are definitely days where I just eat leg day back day those days i use kind of like my cheat days where i just eat everything so you think so you feel like okay so just not every day is the same for you so you're like i'm putting out more output today so i'm gonna eat more calories right right. okay okay that makes sense so Mm -hmm. so it's a direct correlation you're not just eating for the sake of eating just because you're a fat fuck Right, right. Like, I'm not just going to pound a dozen donuts just because. Why not? Bulking season. That's how I got big. <laughs> That's how I got big, man. Why Listen, not? I got to tell you the truth. Listen, I used to fucking have, I was on the seafood diet, and I don't mean seafood like seafood yeah, in the yeah, fucking yeah. sea. I mean, like, I mean, like, if you see it, you eat it. Like, that was my, no, there was, a, honestly, when we were coming up, man, from age 20 to like 26 or 7, I think every Sunday, me and my boys would get, to get together to watch football. And we would literally start, we'd go to the grocery store and we would literally start eating at like 11 o'clock during the pregame shows and eat all the way through the night game show. And it was just like danishes, donuts, pizza, like just a fucking free for all. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I never cared because I'm like, I got to train legs tomorrow and it's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't, I guess I stand, where I stand is like, I don't think you should get super fucking fat. Yeah, but I put on. I'm I'm 40 pounds over stage weight easily. Oh, me too. Like I get up, I get up to 300 pounds, and I go on stage at 255, 260. Yeah. So, you know, that's a bulk. That's not, you know. So okay, mm-hmm. let me hit you with a couple Instagram questions, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um. This kid asks. Matt Julia asks. Do you believe in a dirty cheat? Or uh, like a dirty cheat meal once, or do you believe in like a clean calories all day long Um, as a refeed? Well, I think uh, I believe in a a dirty cheat meal once, but I think it really depends on where you're at mentally. Like I understand that some people have a really hard time with the monotony of dieting. So cheating all day with like cleaner foods, but it's just a mental break from prepping your food and whatever. So I, I kind of get that, but I'm okay with like, I'm such a machine when I'm dieting, like everything is with purpose. So like, I don't mind staying on my diet and just having a burger and fries and that's it. Be done with it. No, but I think, but I think he means like, would you, are you the kind of person who, or do you coach clients? Yeah. Okay. So when you're coaching your clients and you want to give them a cheat, are you the coach that says, I want you to increase your carbs by 300 grams in the foods that you already have? on saturday or are you the kind of coach that says no go eat a fucking no. burger and fries yeah i tell them to go eat a burger and fries because i so again i do i do believe that sorry i do okay. believe that uh you know a mental break is, is sometimes needed okay so you're a dirty cheat yeah yeah because you know what i actually feel the exact same way it's like 
if you tell me to go eat an extra cup of rice five, four times, I'm like, this is fucking doing nothing for me. Horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was working with the Cito and he was like, this is crazy, right? Because I used to work with Chad and yeah. Chad Nichols would be like, he would diet the fuck out of me, right? Like six days straight, like zero carbs, just bullshit diet, right? Then on Sunday, he calls me. He's like, okay, take the day off. I go, what does that mean? And I had never really had a big time coach or anything. I'm like, yeah. so I want to do everything exactly the way he said. Right. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, take the day off. I'm like, are you saying like, eat whatever the fuck I want? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, you know who you're talking to right now? I'm like, I don't know. If this <laughs> a, I go, I don't know if this is a good idea, man. I'm really a fat guy. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, no, no, take the day off. He's like, I don't care how much you eat. I'm like, okay. So I fucking just. I literally, knocked, I literally knocked on Paul's door at like 9 a.m. and I had a dozen donuts in my hand. And I was like, hey, I got the day off. <laughs> so we started fucking eating. Celebration party. Oh, dude, it was just disgusting. But I put on 15 pounds. Next day, I was 15 pounds heavier. Holy shit. But by the next week, I was lighter. Yeah. Like I had, I had lost all of the extra water weight and all this shit. And then some, yeah. So I fast forward to now, like my last year, I think when I was working with Chris Aceto, I'm not working with him anymore, but I was working with Chris Aceto last year, the year before he says, okay, you're gonna have a cheat meal this weekend. I go, well, what are we having? He goes, I want you to go have one burger and two fries. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so for like three weeks, I try to stick to it. I'm like one burger and two fries. two fries. The next day he would always ask me, how was your workout? I'm like, I don't know. Same. I didn't really feel anything. So the fourth week, he's like, hey, go have one burger, two fries. I'm like, so I go have one burger, two fries. And I just said, fuck this. Just so from like fruit. from 9 p.m. to like midnight, I ate anything I fucking wanted. Next day, I get up. I work out. Awesome workout. I look great. He's like, how's the workout? You look great. I was like, it was awesome. But I got to tell you, I fucking went off. And he was like, well, if that's what worked, let's keep doing it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like a dirty cheat is good because it can spark your metabolism, make your body feel better and give, restore your glycogen stores. But it's also, like you said, it's a mental break. It's a mental break. Yeah. Especially if you got a girlfriend or something, you're like, yes, you yes. know, you can, you can take her out to dinner. You can fucking yeah. go to the movie, get some popcorn and shit. And like, what happened? Yeah. Oh, there you go. your phone's saying we're all done. Yeah. <laughs> anyway so that's okay so we got john john's on a dirty cheat yeah all right so i think we're good bro is there anything you want to uh anything you want to no, promote no i just want to say thank you for having me on again thank you for all the fans tuning in and um giving both Puat and i the opportunity to, to interact with you guys and i hope you guys enjoyed the, the interview and whenever you guys need me back on you know you got my number for why you call me we'll, we'll definitely have you back on i got a lot more questions i want to ask you i just don't want to keep you all on right. for like five hours but <laughs> yeah. all right have a good day john i hope uh, uh if i don't talk to you anytime soon hope your prep's going well for the olympia and uh i'm sure we'll have you back on soon man yeah yeah absolutely okay all right brother thanks take a lot man take no it problem. easy bye-bye